Hello everybody and welcome to Save vs. Death, the show about tabletop role-playing games that are equally fatal for the characters, the players, and the GM. Uh, with me today are Josh, Chris, and Alex. How are you guys? I'm uh... good, but I question whether it's fatal to the GM. <laughs> this yeah, year... you haven't died yet, Red Scarn. This, this episode, we might be kind of getting there, because this, this game has been responsible for more sudden headaches than just about any other I've, I've actually tried to figure out. I mean, we haven't tried to do Pathfinder yet. Okay, so I actually, yes, I quite dislike Pathfinder for a variety of reasons, and one of them is that, as a GM, it requires me to keep track of about eight different supplements worth of materials, because, of course, my players don't want to play normal characters. You know, they want to combine all of these exotic races and classes until the, the game has absolutely no cohesive theme or feeling. And if I, if I refuse to let them do that, it's like, hey, let's play a Pathfinder game where you can't mix and match various weird tactical options and go in deep dives through the wiki. And they're like, well, then why are we playing Pathfinder? And I'm like, that's an excellent question. Sorry, you just got me off on a tangent there, didn't you? Well, I recently uh, picked up Pathfinder Kingmaker and have been trying to acclimate myself to Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 on steroids. Uh, and holy shit, that there, there is just... This is, there's like a level where suddenly we're doing too much with an RPG system, and I feel like Pathfinder has jumped way beyond that. <laughs> I almost just prefer games like Tyranny uh, and Path of, and the, the, the new Pillars of Eternity, where the systems are just so stupid and deeply complicated and inaccessible uh, at first glance that you sort of just go in and you're like, yeah, okay, let's just crank this down to the easy difficulty and not care about it. I mean, that's basically where I'm going with it, although apparently there's a lot of bugs in the game right now with difficulty, so even on easy difficulties, everything's just fucked sometimes. That comment you showed me where there's that guy saying, hey, so the pros are, there's lots of enemies in the game that have DR against silver and adamantian stuff, which I think is really good, because those are important to the balance of an RPG. The bad news is there's no silver or adamantian in the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's that That's... I think that, that that definitely qualifies as uh, one of those games where beating it is less fun than it should be. I'm not even in it for the damn Pathfinder system. I'm in it because you make a kingdom and also Chris Avalon wrote it. So, like, maybe it'll be decent, but I don't know. Anyway, so we're we're not doing Pathfinder today, right? No, we are not doing Pathfinder today. Uh, what we're playing today uh, is Advanced... Dungeons and Dragons. Actually, I almost said Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, today, possibly for the first time, depending on how you define Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and that is a stupid nerd argument for another time, we are playing non-Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. We're playing basic Dungeons and Dragons. 1974 original Dungeons and Dragons. Does this Dungeons and Dragons have Demogorgons? Uh, I actually don't believe it. there it does. No, that, I believe that's Advanced Dungeons and Dragons you're thinking of. Damn it. Are you I implying that Stranger cool. Things is uh, anachronistic with its Dungeons and Dragons monsters? Uh, no, no, they play uh, they play AD and D. Yeah, they play Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. Why did it, I think it, it was it, in the seventies there for a minute? Honestly, I have very few criticisms of uh, Stranger Things' depiction of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, if you want an exhaustive list of all of my nitpicks, here they are. Uh, and even then, I have to qualify them both because there's only two of them. Number one, 
The very first scene uh, of Stranger Things involves a fireball and rolling to hit. You don't roll to hit on a fireball. It's an area attack spell. On the other hand, uh, Advanced Dungeons Dragons, while far simpler than OD&D, which we're playing today, uh, is very complicated for children to understand. And I know that when I was a kid, faced between learning all of the subtleties of an intricate rule system for a game that no one was around to explain to me, or just kind of making it up as I went along, I just made it up as I went along. So that still felt pretty authentic, to be honest, even if it's not rules accurate. That's niggle number one. Niggle number two, slight spoilers for season two, uh, I don't think, I think they were kind of reaching with Mind Flayer as the descriptor for the opponent. Uh, I think that they found themselves a in a bit. situation where they, they and I, like, I really like the idea of, like, using the names of Dungeons and Dragons monsters to classify the various weird supernatural horrors they're up against, but Mind Flayer really is not a very appropriate one to describe that monster. I mean, honestly, like, Aboleth would make more sense, but, I, you know, I, I get it. I assume for the purposes of this particular podcast, you will not be making things up as you go along as far as rules go. <laughs> not that Dungeons and Dragons doesn't I, sound like that normally. I wish I could promise that, but uh, here's the problem. So the game we're playing today uh, is from 1974, and it's the first ever tabletop role-playing game produced. And it, it's um, it's really, really difficult to learn in part because uh okay so imagine you're in like just a, a member of the fandom in 1974 the fandom meaning any nerdy thing and somebody tells you about this cool game where you go dungeon crawling and you fight stuff and you're like oh cool does it use like dice and they're like yeah it uses special dice you actually have to buy special dice uh from them uh and you're like oh that, that that's interesting uh are the rules complicated he's like yeah because they have rules to simulate all kinds of things like you know gaining experience as you kill monsters and stuff like that uh and like rolling to hit monsters under like very complicated circumstances and you're like wow so what are the rules and it's like i don't know because the game doesn't really explain them that well because the game isn't finished being designed yet <laughs> you're like oh so basically, we have to finish designing this completely novel game that no one's played anything like before. <laughs> I mean, it, it era... kind of sprung out of war games, but... It did. In fact, this game requires the war game document to play. Uh... <laughs> in, in fact, the war game document is necessary to explain some of the rules, but does not explain all of the rules. So you're in a situation where there's like... This game is like 40% explained by Chainmail, the war game it's based on, uh, which was invented previously by many of the same people who made this game. Uh, about like 40% its own thing, and like 20% just a vacuum where rules should have been. And I'm not talking about like obscure rules to cover edge circumstances that like nobody thought of because no player had ever tried to like slide down a fireman's pole while firing a bow with their feet and whistling an inspiring tune to their lackeys. I mean stuff like, the game actually has no rules for gaining experience, like for how much experience you're supposed to gain when you kill enemies. Oh. Yeah, and the game has a complicated initiative order, but doesn't actually have rules for when you would cast spells during it. Just stuff like that. So, uh, what I'm gonna do is, if this is alright with you guys, we're gonna make characters, 
then we'll maybe try to play it and maybe see how that goes. But for the most part, right. I just think it'd be fun to sort of go through the character creation with you guys. I've been doing a deep dive with this for my Patreon stuff, and I'm, I think I sort of get how it works now, so I can hopefully answer any questions that you will inevitably have. So didn't we do something like this during Knights of the Old Republic when we were wandering around the underwater facility in Manan, and I that didn't was, know where I was going? That was a much more civilized edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Was that AD&D? That was 2nd edition. Oh, okay. Right, okay. So we've already done 2nd edition on this show. We uh, we fought some soup monsters, if you remember. Right, and 2nd edition is... Um, I, the way I had put it is, like, there's that show The Long Way Around where a couple British actors ride motorcycles around the entire world, uh, and they get to the leg where they're riding through Canada... And they had just come off of riding across Siberia. And the instant they put their motorcycles on the asphalt and it just, it's smooth, they just like start bursting out into tears. Because just the idea of being able to ride and not feel every bone in your body is just so beautiful. Like, that asphalt is second edition Dons and Dragons. And we're about to go through Siberia, so buckle up. Okay. This is very poetic. Also, hi everyone. Also, hi. That's okay. You know me. I'm. I don't really know a lot about these things, but I go along for the ride, and it's always fun. So, were you sitting in the corner there when he announced that we were doing original Dungeons and Dragons, just wondering to yourself, what have I gotten into? Yeah, I'm just kind of like, I don't know what any of this is. So, really, it, just, it really wouldn't have mattered what he said. So, well, that's that's actually kind of perfect because. That you have in common with everyone else who'd played this game in 1974. <laughs> you have no idea what the fuck this is. This this was a game designed for people who would have no idea what it was, and we'll just have to see how successful it was in that adventure. I, I feel like it's a game designed specifically for the weird Venn diagram intersection between wargaming nerds and Tolkien nerds. It, I feel it like is. that Venn diagram was a lot closer to a circle than you imply it is. Well, in the 70s it was. I don't feel like it, that is the case now. It is, but even back then, people who were supposed to be Dungeons & Dragons fans were saying, this is way too complicated, and making their own games. Like, basically the whole second wave of role-playing games was people who thought that D&D was just way too fucking complicated. Anyway, so, uh, we're going to be playing a game. Uh, it's called Dungeons & Dragons. And in this game, there's one person who's a referee, that's me, and there are other people who play uh, the roles of characters who go dungeon crawling. <clears throat> we'll require various dice. Sounds good. <laughs> we require, it requires various dice, which I have here, uh, a three-ring notebook, graph paper, sheet protectors, three-ring lined paper, drafting equipment and colored pencils, scratch paper and pencils, imagination, and players. I like the idea that the rest of this episode is going to be us sketching our characters on with colored pencils in silence. <laughs> uh, the colored pencils are for me, the referee, because I'm supposed oh, to really? draw each dungeon out uh, in the appropriate scale for your miniatures. What about oh, the sheet protectors? Oh. Is that necessary, really? Uh, well, apparently, because I need the heaviest possible sheet protectors. Merely sheet protectors will not suffice for whatever I need these for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I have no fucking idea. Um, so, 
Let's see. Uh, looks like I'll need... Uh, oh, hmm. This is a little bit of a problem. Uh, there's only three players, and it says here that I need four to 50. So I don't know how that's going to work. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, I had heard uh, about that detail. Oh, yeah. It's designed for up to 50 people. The fuck yeah, is going to play apparently... Dungeons & Dragons 1 <laughs> with 50 people? We can do, do it. never been done. <laughs> apparently, well, that's what I'm going to end up doing for my Patreon, but never mind that. Apparently, the referee to player oh, ratio should be about 1 to 20 or thereabouts, so we'll have to see. <laughs> okay, so there are three roles that you can play. Fighting man, magic user, and cleric. We'll determine which ones you are after we roll your stat, uh, even though it implies really that you're supposed to be choosing at this point before stats have been rolled. <clears throat> So I'm going to skip ahead about a chapter and a half through all of the rest of the character creation part to the first step of character creation, which is somewhere in the middle of the book. And the first thing I need to do is roll all of your stats for you. And of course, the only way to roll stats is by the referee, 3d6 straight down. So I'll just do that and I'll tell you guys what you're good and bad at. Neat. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to start with you, Josh. You've got a strength of five, which is very bad, an intelligence of eight, which is pretty bad, a wisdom of 12, which is okay, a constitution of 11, okay, dexterity of 11, okay, charisma of nine, sort of bad. You got all that? Right, yep. Although you ordered them in a very odd order. No, I ordered them in the correct order for Dungeons and Dragons, Joshua. Now that 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 is one thing. For some reason, uh, most editions have stats. I, I, I think everything since from second edition has the stats: strength, dex, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, which sort of splits it between the the physical stats and then the mental stats. Uh, yeah, no, not this game. Uh, took took them a while to figure that out, actually. All right, Alex, you got sort of lucky. Strength of fifteen, which is pretty good. Uh, right. Intelligence of eight, not great. Wisdom of 16, really good. Constitution of 14, very good. Dex of 8, not good. Charisma of 10, all right. So your your character's actually just starting out objectively better than Josh's in any possible application. <laughs> I'm sorry, Josh. I mean, That's when the way was it goes. the last time I rolled a good character in, in a Save versus Death episode? I can't remember. All right, Chris, you got pretty average. You've got pretty average stats across the board, except you're kind of strong, a little smart, and you have a charisma of four. Awesome. That sounds like me. <laughs> strong, so I've been, but I've been taking notes, putting this in, and I'm just going to put Chris's Discord title, Regret Elemental, under his name. That sounds about right. Okay, and now since I have to assume that you don't know anything about these stats, I'm going to read off what they do. Strength is the prime requisite for fighters. Clerics can use strength on a three-for-one basis in their prime requisite area, wisdom, for purposes of gaining experience only. Strength will also aid in opening traps and so on. Everybody get that? Yeah. What? Okay. Okay, good. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, it's all fine. Uh, it's... it's Intelligence is the prime requisite for magical types. Both fighters and clerics can use it in their prime requisite areas, strength and wisdom respectively, on a two-for-one basis. Intelligence will also affect referees' decisions as to whether or not certain actions would be taken. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, it is interesting in the sense that um, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, more just that in every RPG I've ever been a part of, 
as much as DMs lament the players being jackasses and doing stupid stuff, um, the whole point is that players get freedom of choice. And it's interesting to me yeah. that, that in this early version, Int could be used as an excuse for the, the DM to be like, no, your guy's too stupid. Or no, he's too smart to do that stupid thing. Yeah, it, it's a very bad system. <laughs> Giving DMs the ad hoc ability to just kind of like roleplay your character for you is a very poor idea. Uh, which isn't to say that like DMs can't kind of just occasionally go, all right, dude, you're really smart enough to think that through. Come on. But having it in the rulebook makes it a tool in the toolbox of every referee, and I can't imagine that that went well in many cases. So we're gonna we're gonna sort of skip through the rest of these here because they're pretty straightforward. But I just want to come back to the three for one basis in the prime requisite area. You're probably like, okay, so either he's going to explain that later, or that was explained earlier. Or that's some other thing that, like, makes sense, but it just sounds confusing now. No, that's never explained. That's that's pretty much just about as much sense as it'll ever make. Just about Great. the only additional detail is that your prime requisite area determines a bonus to experience gain that you have. Because, like, if you're really strong, or as a fighter, or you're really wise as a cleric, it means you gain extra experience. And if you're not strong or wise enough, it means you have an experience penalty. Uh, but the actual system for subbing them out, now, uh, I've done the math here. It doesn't actually make any sense. Now, Rudskarn, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Didn't you earlier say this game doesn't actually have complete rules for how experience is supposed to be given anyway? I did. So, uh, did they just forget to put that page in the manual? Uh... <laughs> I really couldn't say. Maybe we'll we'll talk about it a little. I like I I offer a few theories like in the actual series, but it's got to get we've got to get through this. Okay. Uh so, time to pick your classes. As I said, the options are fighting man, magic user, and cleric. Now, you can play non-humans. You can play a dwarf or an elf, uh or a halfling even. Uh, the only reason you would need to know about that now is because elves actually are both fighting men and magic users. Basically, if you, you're an elf, you could just switch classes whenever you want. Like I mean, is an elf a class right now no. in this particular no, that's, version? No, that's, that's what I'm talking about here. Like, when people say elf is a class, what they actually mean is that elf has the unique ability to alter whether they are one no. thing or the other. It's so also probably called that because there's no section on races. They just throw classes in there willy-nilly. What's your question, Josh? Am I still too stupid to be an elf? Uh, nope. There's no requirement. Oh, cool. In fact, uh, elves have nothing to do with your stats in general. Neat. Um, I want to be a fighting man that... No. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> Strength of five fighter. Uh... It's possible, even do it uh, but you would get you would get a negative twenty percent experience gain. Oh no! You just lose. It a doesn't fifth of matter all XP. at all because you know make up the rule about XP. Also, Pretty we're much only accurate. doing this for one session. You think we're gonna level? Definitely not. Uh, okay, so are we in? Like, can we pick classes? Um, yeah, go ahead. Cool. Uh, I guess I'll be a cleric. Because I got okay. wisdom. We'll go into what that means later. And Chris, how about you? Does it make sense for me to be a cleric? Num, no, it does not. You are unwise. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> could I be a buff mage dude? Sure. Okay, I'll be buff mage dude. A magic user you shall be. And Alex. So I should be a cleric, right? Because I have high uh, wisdom. Pretty much. Then it shall be. Okay, that makes it easier. Alright, so clerics, uh, yep, they can be fighting, they, they, they have many of the same ability as fighting men, uh, they may use any non-edged magical weapons, plus they have numbers of their own spells. I feel like, actually, I'm wondering, since Alex is also a cleric, maybe I should be a fighting man just to round it out, and also because a fighting man with five strength is hilarious. Fair enough. Alright, uh, are all you going to be humans? I feel like that's the easiest way to go about it. Yeah, we're humans. It definitely, it definitely is, because otherwise you could actually run into a scenario where some of you don't speak, like, don't speak complementary languages. Josh yeah, is going to so pick Gnome and, have, and only speak Gnomish <laughs> or some shit. I'm ah, a cobalt. Gnomes, gnomes are, in fact, only in the monster book. They are not a playable race yet. Okay! Now, uh, many of you, you'll probably all be aware that in Dungeons and Dragons, there's nine alignments. Uh, there's, you know, there's law, neutral, chaos, and then there's good, neutral, evil. And you pick one of, one from one axis and one from the other and make an alignment, right? So this goes all the way back to the first edition, huh? Nope. Not the first edition. That's what I'm getting to. First edition has only three alignments. Law, neutrality, and chaos. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, the basic idea is that law represents uh, order and goodness, and that chaos represents just badness. Chaos is bad. Law is good. I mean, the you don't have to reach very far into mythology to find echoes of that sentiment pretty much everywhere. That, that is true, and the weird thing is this is borrowed from the writers, like from writers who also use the sentiment, but I think both of the writers they borrowed this from were actually really known for their like anti-establishment writing. <laughs> so this this feels a little bit odd. Uh, anyway, uh, go ahead and pick your alignments. Law, neutral, or chaos? Chaos, obviously. Neutral. I'll be the law. Okay, well, in that case, each of you, in addition to speaking common, because you're humans, and only humans know how to speak common at the beginning of the game. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's so you common. All, <laughs> you also... No, I was just going to echo Josh's sentiment. Like, I thought the whole reason it was called common was that, like, most races speak it. No, it's a common tongue for humans. It's a common human tongue. When you think about it, that's still pretty incredible. So right? it's Latin. Yeah, sure. Uh, anyway, you all get an additional language to speak. Um, Josh, you're chaotic, so you speak chaotic. Uh, oh my god. Alex, you were lawful, so you speak lawful. Oh, okay. I didn't expect that. And Chris, uh, you're neutral, so you speak neutral. I am neither pleased nor displeased by this news. Basically. Yeah, uh, alignment languages. Uh, believe it or not, this sticks around. So, like, I guess the idea here is that, like, you know, you, you want, like, to be able to figure out, okay, can I talk to these orcs or whatever without worrying about having a million different languages? So there's the idea that, like, Law, neutrality, and chaos maybe represent, like, vast factions or cultures, which is, you know, I don't want to play in this game, but okay, I guess. That, this I is guess some it makes fucking sense. colonial bullshit right here. It absolutely is, but considering that, you know, 
<laughs> you know, there, there's a lot to get into here, but yeah, that's basically programmed into the DNA of this early game. What cracks Great. me up is not this. What cracks me up is that in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, Skyjax's like, big upgrade, there's nine alignments, which means there's nine alignment languages. No. Oh. He kept the system so chaotic neutral characters have a special language they can speak with one another. It's so, so not to be a pedant, but like if your entire worldview and order is built around the rejection of systems of order, how do you come up with a language that is agreed upon and functions syntactically when everyone rejects the notion of agreed upon systems we all respect? You all just get it, you know? You all just get it. It's a series of grunts and pointing. Yeah. It's Twitter. <laughs> you speak in memes. Okay. Uh, now, I should probably tell you guys how many henchmen you can hire, uh, because that's pretty much the only function of the charisma score that's worth getting into. And you won't survive long enough to hire any, but that's actually considered a huge part of this game, is that players are eventually going to want to have their own mercenaries following them around. Like, it was definitely treated as something that, like, players would just naturally, inevitably gravitate towards is trying to hire their own armies. And there's tons of rules for that. kind of showing its uh, wargaming stripes here. A little bit. Now, none of you Honestly, are charismatic. Honestly, that, that does actually make a lot more sense than a lot of party shit in RPGs. Oh, ab like, absolutely. Pathfinder Kingmaker starts with you and, like, 15 people going to take out a bandit king so you can start a barony, and it's like, okay, that that did happen historically, kind of. I don't know what baron, or, uh, I don't know what, um, bandit king means in this context, but, uh, it would be, like, you and 3,000 other dudes that you hired. Okay, so, uh, let's see... Alex, you have a charisma of 10, which means you can hire four hirelings as the campaign goes on, and they have no loyalty adjustment. All right. Hire them all. All right. Uh, I don't think you'll have enough money to the beginning, but Chris. We'll see sorry, about no, actually, that. It's Josh next. Probably no uh, rule about that. <laughs> there actually is. Oh, God. Uh, Josh, uh, you get you have a charisma of 9, so you can hire three hirelings with no loyalty adjustment. Chris! Can I hire Alex's hirelings after she hires them? They have to make a morale check. A loyalty check, rather. Uh, Chris, you have a charisma of four. That means you can have a maximum of one mutinous henchman. Oh, I mean, if it's a mutinous henchman, absolutely. Take it. I'll take it. Yep. He just basically hates your guts. Wait, wait, wait. Mutinous, not like he's a mutant, but like he's gonna do a mutiny? Then no, I don't want him. Yes. Yeah, he starts out, yeah, all of your henchmen have a loyalty base of negative two. <laughs> I, I was picturing a henchman that looked like were... the Toxic Avenger, and this is not what I signed up joke. at all. Oh yeah, definitely, I want someone who'll stab me in the back. No, I wanted a Toxic Avenger no, henchman, it was is that so much bad? <laughs> you say mutinous, and that's just where my mind goes. I don't go towards, like, Yar matey, I'm taking the ship for my own. Yeah. So literally, we have uh, a ship? So literally, if Alex, no, if, uh, actually, Josh, if Josh was not a human, and you were also not humans, Josh would not be able to communicate with any of you, because Josh is not smart enough to know any other languages, and he only speaks chaotic and common. 
So if he played, like, a dwarf, for example, he would speak only dwarven and chaotic and would have no way of speaking to any other members of the party unless they learned one of his languages. Is it too late for me to turn into a gnome? Uh, it's too early, in fact, because, as I mentioned, gnomes are not yet a playable character race. God damn it. So this game, uh, you can all... Oh, you also need to decide right now if you want to have relatives. Do you guys want to have relatives? No. No. No, why? I sprung why? out of the ground fully formed. <laughs> Sounds good. In case you're curious, relatives would inherit your money after you disappear for a certain amount of time. Uh, as much time as you decide <laughs> is, is relevant. Do they become, like, the playable character after you, then? Yeah, that's the idea. Uh, the fun fact, though, there is, in fact, a rule for what happens if you get back. Uh, again, this is, there's not rules for all sorts of important shit, but there's a rule for this. this there's a rule weird. for what happens if you get back and your relative, like, has inherited all of your stuff, but you're like, actually, I'm still alive. You lose 10% and you get it back. And then if you hire that person as a hireling, there's a rule for how much they hate you afterwards. <laughs> okay, uh, you're all going to start off at level one. And uh, Alex, you're a cleric. So at level one, you're an acolyte. The levels you can... As you gain levels, uh, your title also changes. Would you like me to read off the titles now, just so you know what you're getting into? Yeah, sure. sure. Okay, acolyte. Level 2, Adept. Level 3, Village Priest. Level 4, Vicar. Level 5, Curate. Level 6, Bishop. Level 7, Llama. Level 8, Patriarch. Okay. This is a real fucking mishmash of religious hierarchical terms here. <laughs> also very <laughs> Yeah, I was a bishop, but then I got promoted to a Llama. <laughs> and then I became the Patriarch. Yeah. Strictly so, speaking, patriarch is a, a Christian term for well, the pope. Yeah, is yeah the it's like it's like Joseph, Rome. right? Uh, no, uh, there there were specific like patriarchal levels um, that were at least in uh, in theory, anyway, supposed to all be equal to the patriarch in Rome. But that kind of got done away with in the West pretty quickly. Um, patriarch in Rome well, is the pope. Now that you mention that, I'm. It seems very likely to me that the developers of this game had sort of heard of that. Yeah. Okay, uh, Chris, you're a magic user, so you begin as a medium. Cool. Here are your ranks. You, at level 2, you'll become a seer. At level 3, you'll become a conjurer. At level 4, you'll become a theurgist. At level 5, you'll become a thaumaturgist. At level 6, you'll become a magician. At level 7, you'll become an enchanter. At level 8, you'll become a warlock. At level 9, you'll become a sorcerer. At level 10, you'll become a necromancer. And at level 11, you'll become a wizard. Is level 11 the level cap? Nope. Also, I'll become a what wizard? There, there's two wizards? No, you become a wizard. There's wizard and sorcerer. Uh, okay. And magician. Okay. There's just a lot yep. of thesaurus Magician, thing. warlock, enchanter, sorcerer, necromancer. Theorgist, thaumaturgist, conjurer, seer, medium. After after that, literally, you just become, like, wizard 12th level, wizard 13th level, wizard 14th level, etc., etc. Okay, and finally, Alex. Oh, no, no, sorry. Finally, Josh. No, he already went. Right. Josh, you begin at level 1 as a veteran. That feels like a pretty decent place to start. <laughs> you begin as a veteran. You become a warrior. 
After that, you were a swordsman. Okay. Going backwards when here. When you have been a swordsman long enough, you may be considered a hero. Then, should uh, you attain the greatest heights of being a hero, you will become a swashbuckler. Then, as a swashbuckler, you will learn the arts of the Myrmidon. Until finally, you may be considered what? a champion. <laughs> Once you are a champion, then you might attain the lofty rank of superhero. <laughs> That's actually and then, a fucking title. <laughs> that's actually a title. Oh my god. And then, a few select superheroes might survive long enough to become a lord. It's not how you don't... It's not how feudalism works. Alright. Uh, right, now I have to get to the nitty-gritty. Um, first, uh, Josh, in case you're wondering, you have one plus one dice for accumulative hits. Great. What kind of dice? Um... I don't remember, but I believe eight-sided. Ah, yes, the venerable D8s that we use all the time. Yep. Uh, well, that that is the standard hit die in later editions, but never mind. Is it? Yep. Chris, uh, you will have one, and Alex, you will also have one. Both of you have one die for accumulative hits. So this this is how they did it in the, all these early editions. In fact, I think up to third. Uh, for your first level, you you still roll how many hit dice you have, so or hit points you have. So I ran a playtest where most of the characters had one hit point to begin with, which means the first time their characters hit, they're fucking dead. This is giving me flashbacks to the first episode of Save vs. Death. Pretty much. All right. Josh, your fighting capability. Are you ready to write this down? What does that... Oh, sure. Your fighting capability is man plus one. Does that mean I can fight two people-ish things at the same time? It does not. Uh, Chris it and Alex, mean both I'm of you have a... slightly stronger than an average man? Not. Well, technically, oh. I guess a little bit, yeah. And Chris and Josh... Uh, sorry, Chris and Alex, your fighting capabilities are simply man. What? Your fighting capability is man. Okay. So what this means uh, is if you reference a, a table in Chainmail, your fighting capability is registered as just a regular person. Just like a regular human person. Uh, oh, so I was right. Sort of, yeah, like in a roundabout way. Okay, now experience points. Now, there is a chapter a little here on experience points, and what it tells us is that in addition to adjusting this based on your stats, you should adjust all experience points gained uh, by the level of the dungeon over the level of the character, or, I say level of dungeon, level of dungeon or level of monster, whichever is lower, I think over the level of character, and apply that to all experience points gained. This formula exists, but a formula for determining how many experience points something is worth does not. And I assume there's no table. Nope. N neat. <laughs> I'm glad that, like, half of the infrastructure is there. Yep. All right. Let's see. You've got... Okay, uh, Cleric, you need to pick a spell. This is the spell you know going into the dungeon. Your options are Cure Light Wounds, Purify Food and Water, Detect Magic, Detect Evil, Protection from Evil, and Light. Keep in mind, you only get well, to pick one for the whole adventure, and you only get to cast it once per day. So does Detect Evil mean Detect Chaos in this edition? Um, sort of, I guess. Theoretically, pretty <laughs> much. Or is that just Detect Monster? <laughs> 
So, which spell? Uh, Alex, I believe that was to you. Oh, okay. So, once again, your options are Cure Light Wounds, Purify Food and Water, Detect Magic, Detect Evil, Protection from Evil, and Light. I don't know what all those things do, but, like, I, is there just... Does it matter? Go go with Light Wounds. It really does Go, with, go with Light Wounds. Yeah, okay, purify Food and Water. Purify Food and Water would be... You could cast that once per day, choice. and it is the oh. only spell you get for the adventure. Oh, jeez. Okay, yeah, the Light Wounds. I'll be a good okay. sport. Okay. Although that food and water one was pretty tempting. Also, just straight up light. <laughs> you can yeah, just be light. a chef. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you have your like major right turn. Like you're like, I'll be a helpful class. Screw you guys. I'm going chef. Yep. And Chris, you also may choose one spell to memorize for the adventure, and you may use it once per day. Your choices are detect magic. Hold a portal, it means you stick a door shut. Read magic, read languages, protection from evil, light, charm person, and sleep. Uh, none of those are particularly great. Uh, if you're going you know, like... A... Portal. Go ahead, go ahead. As, as a person who is focused on magic casting, I figured there would be at least one decent offensive spell in there. But the only one close to that is sleep. I guess I'll go with sleep so I can knock them out. Not invented yet. Sleep is definitely the best spell in this edition. Bar none. No color spray either. Okay, uh, all that remains, if you guys choose to, is to give it names to your adventures before I kill them. Uh, oh, you. by the way, you all have three I'll, points. I just rolled. Neat. Uh, my character is named Cool Dude Von Awesome Butt. And and definitely not going to die. Cool dude from Von Awesome Butt and definitely not going to die. Okay, Alex, your yes. name. Um, I'm gonna be Can I just be me? Can I just be Alex? Yes. Me just Alex. Yes. And Chris. Dwayne. I am Dwayne, the magic guy. <laughs> what did Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson look like guy? in the seventies? No, 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 Dwayne, I am Dwayne, the magic guy. Johnson? <laughs> Dwayne, I'm I like the, the I... magic guy, Johnson. <laughs> I, I like the idea that Dwayne, I am the magic guy, Johnson's only ability is once a day he can trick someone into going to sleep. And that's how he <laughs> proves to people that he's a magician. <laughs> he's just really fucking boring. <laughs> he's a washed out grad student teacher's assistant. Hey, I feel called out. Oh, snap. Oh, yeah, that's okay. right. Shit. <laughs> uh, you're all in a dungeon. Do you choose to explore the dungeon? Yes. No. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to roll a random <laughs> encounter on, for John. you guys. Okay. Uh, as you turn the corner, you come across... 180 hobgoblins. What? 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 I rolled 180 hobgoblins. What? I don't believe you. <laughs> Sorry. All right, well, that's been Save vs. Death, everyone. We'll see you next time. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's see. Let me break out the chain I feel like, this, like uh, we need the ending of a, Jar a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure episode going on now. To be continued. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, the, the game has a random encounter tables. Um, How did you roll 180? 
because hobgoblins appear in groups of 20 to 200. Are they strong-looking hobgoblins? Uh, they're, they're, they're okay. They have one and a half hit dice. Oh. I cast sleep on one of them, making it... I'd like to stress... I'd like to stress that the minimum number of orcs I could roll is 30. What the fuck is this? Yeah, uh, I don't know. If you don't want to get attacked by 200 hobgoblins, don't roll on the random encounters table. Or don't have your DM roll on the random encounters table, I guess. Don't have a right, random well, encounter. Alex, I'm Alex. Get ready with that light wounds cure, because, uh, well, it's not going to be light wounds, but, you know, every little bit helps. I guess. You know what? Um, the game does specify that in these sorts of situations, not all of the hobgoblins can attack at once, because, you know, it's only as many of them as can be accommodated in a hallway. So, like, five hobgoblins are going to attack, and then, like, 20 archers from three ranks down. Oh, just five and twenty. We ran into two centuries of hobgoblins. <laughs> Basically. So, uh, I'm gonna go to my chainmail rulebook and read off the initiative order here. Uh, okay. <clears throat> okay, so both sides roll a die. The side with the higher score has the choice of electing to move first or last as a counter move. Uh, you guys are moving last. The side Great. that moves Sweet. first moves its figures and makes any split moves in missile fire, taking any pass-through fire possible at the same time. Uh, so, yep, I'll just uh, make all the missile fire action. I'd like to point out for the record, I said no to exploring this dungeon. <laughs> well, I didn't realize there would be 200 hobgoblins literally on the other side of the first corner. I feel like somebody in the local province should set up a sign or some sort of post. Dungeon is actually the Hobgoblin military base. Okay, Josh, you take 12 damage. Cool. Uh, Chris, you take 17 damage. And Alex, you're the lucky one with only 9 damage. All three of you are dead. Oh, no! We only had 3 HP. I'm dead three times over. That was save versus death, guys! Or four times. Did you say 12 damage? Yeah, I'm dead four times over. So... At what point did they did they decide that this was stupid and made the the encounter <laughs> tables not immediately? Awful? Immediately, I have I have an encounter tables for Advance on the Dragons that I use in my campaigns because it makes sense. So because how this is this is the encounter table for the fifty character version of this what, game? What is what is the difference? Like what is the time differential between the release of D anD D and the release of a D anD D? Like uh, not like six years, a few years. So for a few years, that was the actual encounter table that people used. Yeah, I mean, when people play the game, which was not super often, because how did this you become know, the biggest this RPG ever? It really what kicked mean, off how did Advanced this start Dragons. the RPG genre. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons was absolutely like everything was like escalating sleeper hits until Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. This it's like um, it's like the Elder Scrolls and Skyrim. Like, where Skyrim is, like, a, a world-changing ass-kicker. Oblivion was a really popular Xbox and, you know, PC release. Morrowind, you know, got a lot of good press. Daggerfall has a lot of fans. And Arena was fine, I guess. Like, that, that was the escalation. the game we don't talk about. <laughs> Battle Spire is the game we don't talk about. Except we talk about it with startling regularity, considering its obscurity. Yeah. Who do we have to blame for that one, Rutskarn? 
Anyway, I hope you guys all enjoyed that save versus death. You did not save this time. Hey, wait a minute. I thought you said the DM was going to get killed. What a twist. With embarrassment for, for the overkill in which it, uh, of the challenge. <laughs> Turns out Let me just put it this way. Two regiments I promise is, uh... you, I promise you that I just made this system look simple and straightforward. Also, I'm just going to pretend that my mutinous sidekick that I almost hired killed the DM off screen. There. There we go. In, in a fourth wall breaking joke, the mutinous... Avenging you despite not really liking power. you all that much. That's, that's, that's your yes. henchman's mutinous power. <laughs> exactly. Alright, we can play Horizon Zero Dawn now. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.